Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. The buzz today, two little letters, they mean a whole big lot of stuff. AR, that's augmented reality. Let me get started. At the recent Inside AR, now that you know what AR means, it means something. At the recent Inside AR conference in Munich, Germany, Almost 800 attendees learned about the cool, futuristic world of AR through speeches and exhibits from companies like Lego, BMW, IKEA, wow, and other players. Now it's time to take a look at where AR is on the hype curve. You know what people are talking about. Is it still a technology trigger for that handful of enthusiasts who are out there saying, wow, this is really cool, we're going to be the early adopters, we're going to be on board, and people are going to talk about us, or is it on on its way to what we call a plateau of productivity with a slew of mainstream applications that are ready for you and me and everybody, what we call wide adoption by the masses. Interesting question. I have a panel of experts. All three are calling in from Germany. So we have a global panel here. And let's get started with our first guest. First up is Sasha Keener from Matayo. I'll spell that M-E-T-A-I-O. I got it right. And here is Sasha's quote, and then he'll speak in a moment. He says, AR will change how we interact with technology and digital data in the future. The biggest issue is the lack of dedicated hardware integrated into standard end consumer devices. I think there's our issue for sure. As soon as the gaming industry sees the value, aha, AR will go mainstream. Well, should, welcome, Sasha. How are you today? Very good. Thank you, Bonnie. Thank you for joining me. Talk to me. Tell me, uh, how did you come to this viewpoint that there is a lack of dedicated hardware integrated into standard end consumer devices? Where are we on that hype curve, Sasha? Talk to me. Yeah, actually, I think um, on, on the hype curve, we already passed like the first the first hype for the technology itself. So this this like gimmicky way of using the technology to show um, 3D images on 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 magazines, for example, that uh, like a jumping jumping man or something is is over. This time is over basically. So we are now in the in the phase where this technology really becomes valuable for um, for many companies, and um, it becomes valuable also in all uh, parts of the industry in all parts of the company. So even like you cannot just use it for marketing. You even can use Use it for um, production processes, engineering, um, for all kinds of different use cases. And with the dedicated hardware, um, I mean, basically, right now we have in smartphones we have one cam- single camera, and so we have just get a 2D image of the world around us. Mm-hmm. And what we would like to have is uh, more dedicated hardware for AR, so more hard- more dedicated hardware to recognize things around you. So basically, having uh, two cameras. Uh, having maybe a depth sensor in the device, maybe having a special chip that is also um, calculating these processes and, and calculating the, um, the whole experience um, to save energy on the phone, basically. Okay, Sasha, I'm going to ask you to do what I call level set. Can you give us your definition of what augmented reality is, please? Augmented reality, in short, is 
um, the connection between real-world items or real-world real products with digital information. So every um, everything we have around us has somewhere digital information um, stored about it. And with augmented reality, you can connect things to digital information directly by just basically looking at the things, and then you, you get the information um, directly in your screen or directly stuck onto, uh, onto the, the object you're looking at. Okay, so we're talking about sound, we're talking about video, we're talking about graphics, and we even include GPS data. Okay, so it's a lot of things in the, uh, uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia definition, a live, direct, or indirect view of a physical, real-world environment whose elements are augmented or supplemented by computer-generated sensory input, and then the list, sound, video, graphics, GPS. Very, very interesting. Okay, just wanted to make sure we all are on the same exact page. It is a broad topic, and it's an exciting topic, and, and I'm going to introduce now that our, our topic for today, I didn't say it, I was going to say it later, but it's time, it's augmented reality beyond Google Glass. So we're talking about going deeper into the topic than just what people think they know about augmented reality. Thank you for starting this off. I appreciate it, Sasha. Let me bring on our second panelist. It's Raymond Gross uh, from SAP, and here's a quote from Raymond. The future is what you can influence. You have to embrace trends, immerse yourself in new technologies, and continuously learn. Only then will you have an educated dialogue and make informed choices. This sounds like a mantra for living in the modern world. Raymond Gross, how are you today? Yeah, I'm great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on the show here. And Delighted. Actually, my, my opening statement might, might sound a bit like a very big picture, but... Um, I think it relates back very well to augmented reality as it does to a lot of other things. So what we are seeing in the market and everybody of us uh, faces that on a daily basis is that more and more data gets collected, right? There's different ways of access to that data. And what we see is that traditional ways of accessing that data might not suffice in the, in the future. And so, so what's the consequence? Well, there's nothing better than, than a model than, that we know to access um, that masses of data that gets collected continuously. And that model that we are all aware of is the real world. And that's what's nicely coming to, to Sasha's uh, explanation of augmented reality um, already, namely the integration of digital information into the analog world. And this is why I believe we just because of that additional data being collected, we need different ways of operating with that, of interacting with that. And by blending the virtual and the physical world, I believe um, uh, we are onto, onto that direction. And Google Glass actually um, did, a, did a very nice job. They sort of made the market for the masses. Mm-hmm. It's the topic gained public visibility. It got market perception. Um, they even set some sort of hardware standard. And... This is only the beginning of, of, of a way, and um, um, I, I credit, I highly credit Google for putting the, the topic on the agenda, so everybody now has something to, to discuss about and get deeper into the topic. Very interesting, Raymond. Do you have any view at this point of how people 
think about Google Glass? Is it something like, you got to be kidding me, I would never wear those, to look at the nerd over there with the Google Glass to, wow, I hope that's in my Christmas stocking this year. Are, are people excited about it? Are they annoyed about it? Are they the masses I'm talking about? Are they standing on the sidelines, scratching their heads and saying, hmm, well, it looks like it might have something to do with my life in the future, but nah, it's not there yet. What's your perception of, of the market acceptance other than uh, curiosity and a little bit of excitement, Raymond? Well, actually, you find the whole enchilada of emotions and thoughts and feelings. And um, this refers back to my opening statement. You have to understand it to to really educatedly discuss and uh, make up your own mind. And just talking on a, on a tabloid or headline level won't uh, bring you a long way. And uh, the German uh, part in me probably would answer uh, with more to the creepy um, part of the spectrum, right? So people would think about all that privacy and, and other um, discussions. Um, but the, let's say, innovator, the futurist in me will, will always argue, hey, this is, this is a, a beginning rather than an end for a development that, that keeps up coming. And um, uh, we have to understand it and, and uh, educate ourselves and uh, be able to discuss about that in a way that comes down to facts and uh, a bit away from the emotions as justified as they might be. Thank you. I like the idea of bringing the word emotions. We might get to that later in the show. Thank you, Raymond. And let's bring on our third panelist, uh, the person who put this panel together. It's Thomas Eckert at SAP. And Thomas has sent me a quote from, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Mikio Kaku, who is an American physicist and communicator. He's the popularizer of science, futurist, theoretical, physics, and um, he is a Henry Simot Professor of Theoretical Physics at the City College of New York, and here's where you all might recognize the name. He's written three New York Times bestsellers, The Physics of the Impossible in 2008, The Physics of the Future in 2011, and The Future of the Mind this year. He's also hosted TV specials, wait for it, wait for it, on the BBC, the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, and the Science Channel. Here's the quote from Mikio, it's M-I-C-H-I-O. Kaku, K-A-K-U. It's when trying to predict the future potential of consumer-oriented technologies, always consider the caveman principle. I am clueless. Thomas Eckert, how are you today? Hello, Pony. I'm well, and uh, thanks for being in your, in your show today. We're delighted to have yeah, you, so explain. talk to me. Yes, please. Yeah, I will explain a bit what, what, what Mikhail means with this principle. Uh, basically, he's saying that uh, human mankind, if you look at them during the past 10,000 years, they might have changed from the outward perspective quite a lot. But if you look into their brains, yeah, it did not change too much. Yeah? So the basic and fundamental wishes and needs which drive people are still the same. And this means for innovation. So if you want to bring a new innovation to the market and expect Mars adoption, you always need to take care that uh, this innovation and this technology does not violate or contradict one of these ancient wishes and needs. And here it comes to augmented reality. Now, mm-hmm. I think um, one of the key ancient wishes and needs of pe- people and human mankind is they want to look good. Uh, they want to be nice. Mm-hmm. They want to be attractive. And here we come again to the hardware topic, so the device topic, which was raised by Sasha and Raimund as well. Uh, but I'm judging it a little bit from a different angle. I say the current available hardware devices from reality and also the eyewear we have recently seen from various manufacturers 
contradicts the principle of looking good. So most people, I mean, if you're a technology enthusiast, you might feel it cool and so on. But for mass adoption, I really think there is a problem. So many people will perceive it as, yeah, I don't know, I don't want to look like a, like a Borg drone or something like that. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing some looking up here on uh, the Caveman Principle, written by uh, Miki Okaku. Very, very interesting. So we're going to the, we're going backwards to history, and we're going forward to the future. Very, very interesting. Thomas, thank you so much. I'm going to circle back to Sasha right now, and Sasha, I have a very important question to ask you, and then your co-panelists. <laughs> and the question is, what? First of all, where are you calling from? Second of all, what time of the day or night is it? And third of all, what are you drinking right now, or what do you wish you were drinking? after the show. So talk to me, Sasha Keener. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, yeah, actually, I'm calling from Munich. So um, it's, it's uh, around uh, 4 p.m. right now, 4.15 p.m. And um, I'm, I'm drinking uh, actually a cappuccino with, um, with sugar in it um, <laughs> to, to, uh, to stay fit over the whole day, even though I'm not, a, I'm not so much of a coffee drinker, actually. And... Um, Many people might think that we drink beer all the time in Munich, so <laughs> I, can, I can say that this is not like that. <laughs> well, thank you for that reality. Talk about augmented reality. That's real rea- reality reality, right? You don't drink beer all the time. It, it, does your, your cappuccino you're drinking have a name? Is it from a, a coffee house somewhere? Did you concoct it at, at home or in the office? No, we have a very nice coffee machine here in the office, so um, it it makes really good cappuccino, really good foam, so I'm I'm pretty satisfied with that. So we don't have to go to Starbucks or somewhere else to get some coffee. Okay, well, good to know that. Thank you. You know where I was going with that. Raymond Gross, I understand you have a sore throat, but you sound wonderful, Raymond. So what are you drinking today? Where are you calling from? Yeah, I'm calling from Germany as well. Um, This is Waldorf, close uh, close to Heidelberg, the SCP headquarters. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, I thought about having a hot spiced wine uh, in parallel to the call, as this is a German tradition during Advent season. However, um, it would have made it easy for me to sneak out of any statement or argument due to intoxication later on. So I decided to have a regular coffee and just added some gingerbread flavor to accommodate for the time of the year. (laughs) <laughs> That's lovely. Thank you. I I don't think you would have had any problem. It's it, this is supposed to be Raymond an intoxicating experience being on live internet radio. So I'm hoping it's doing that for you just because you're here. Thank you very much. And Thomas Eckert, SAP. Where are you calling from? And what are you drinking today, Thomas? Yeah. So I'm calling from Munich in Germany as well. And uh, you will wonder, but I see in my cup of coffee a, lo- a lack of snow, basically, because you need to know I'm a really passionate snowboard rider. And typically during this time of the year, I do my first trip into the mountains. But this year, there's no snow at all. If I look out to- outside of the window, it's raining. And even in the mountains, no snow. So I have to be patient. You certainly do. Interesting, interesting. Uh, We, by the way, we had a little bit of snow here in New York one week ago, just enough to scare the blank, blank, blank out of people. And they're saying, what? It's not Christmas yet. Snow. I was on my way to somewhere to go ballroom dancing. When I got there, the place was closed. And they said, oh, it's snowing. I said, you got to be kidding. It's raining right now. Oh, no. People won't come out in the snow. Really? This is New York. Okay, that's fine. No dancing. But anyway, we are looking at beautiful weather here. And I don't know if we're going to have a, a winter wonderland for Christmas. But uh, the, we will see what the weather gurus say. Uh, I have a wonderful panel today. We're speaking with some 
Sasha Keener at Mitayo. We're speaking with Raymond Gross at SAP and Thomas Eckert at SAP. And our topic is augmented reality beyond Google Glass. What do you know about it? What do you think about it? Is it coming to a device near you? Will it be in your Christmas stocking this week, next week, next year, the year after? What does it have to do with business? What does it have to do with consumers? We have so much to learn from my panelists today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and you're listening to episode number seven of season one, and I hope they'll come back for another season of the series called Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP. Shout out to Michelle Serrier at SAP, who is tweeting for us. And, uh, Michelle, we'd love to see more tweets from you at hashtag SAP Radio. I know he's going to be capturing the words of wisdom of our esteemed panel. We're going to go out on a break, and when we come back, we'll launch into our roundtable, and I will be kicking it off with Sasha Keener. And Sasha and I will speak very briefly over the break about some statistics on the AR market, and then we'll come back and wow all of you. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Brad out. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Back and it's time for the roundtable. I have to warn my panelists, all three are calling in from Germany. This is going to be about 30 minutes nonstop straight through so you can put your seatbelts on, your augmented reality seatbelts if you want. And that leads to our topic today is augmented reality beyond Google Glass. And yes, we are already. Sasha Keener at Matayo is going to start us off here on our roundtable. And Sasha, I'm looking at some notes you sent me. Let's get into some numbers here. You reported that Juniper Research states that Five to six years from now, the augmented reality market will reach five to six billion dollars U.S. dollars market size. And by 2018, which is a little over three years away, more than 200 million users will have AR apps on their devices. Let's start with those numbers. Talk to me. Uh, where is what is Juniper Research? And do you agree with these numbers, Sasha? 
Yeah, actually, uh, Juniper Research is a big research company that um, every year that basically publishes um, a report about uh, different technologies. Uh, augmented reality is one of them. So, I mean, basically, this is just statistics, but it underlines um, the the thinking that um, also of our thinking that the technology will will grow further within the next years, and we saw a strong growth in the in the past years too. So um, with um, big projects coming up, um, let's say the, the the IKEA project, for example, that is a, a huge project with a, um, with that augmented the IKEA catalog with a print run of over 200 million pieces every year, and. Um, this this alone also makes users have augmented reality apps on their phone without even knowing it, maybe. So this is maybe where the technology um, should start. It's like not, not being sold as an augmented reality technology, but being sold as an extra uh, way of consuming data and as, an, as, a, as a special way of consuming uh, uh, data about products, about um, about everything that's around you, basically. And um, this, I think, this statement from Juniper underlines this uh, um, this thinking of us too. Very interesting. So and you're saying people might be having the apps and they're not even aware of it. So that that's an interesting exactly. idea. Would it frighten them? Would it excite them? Going back to some of what I said in in the opening, uh, would people say, "Wow, I'm using augmented reality"? Or will they say, "Oh, well, it's it's an app I really like and it's giving me what I want, so I don't care what it's called." What's your thought? I think they I think they would say, "Oh, wow, this is really cool." When you see, like, um, <laughs> for example, makeup applications where you can um, apply makeup on or, or lipstick on your lips and makeup in your face, and then and it detects your face and shows you how it would look like. This is like when people see that they don't see it as an augmented reality application; they just see it as a cool new way um, to to interact with products or to interact with information. And this is um, also where it goes. I think the the, the name augmented reality is just like. A big, a huge name for the whole technology, and then, and this will uh, probably disappear in the future. It will just be a standard feature on on, uh, on in many applications and on many devices. I'm ready for that. I'd like to know before I buy that expensive tube of lipstick, uh, before I put my money down on the other side of the counter, I want to know, is it going to be a good color for me? You know, some women stick with the same color, some like to experiment, and it can be an expensive mistake if you're buying high-end brands. So I'm all for it. Bring it on. That's fine. And where would that augmented reality app be? Would it be on my, my mobile phone? Would it be on my iPad? Would it be a mirror in the store where I can hold, I look in the mirror and I hold up the lipstick and something behind that digitally powered mirror is letting me see that color on my lips, on my face? How would it work? Quickly, Sasha, what do you um, think? I would say yes, yes, and yes. So <laughs> there are so many different possibilities how to how to use um, this fe- these features in the stores. Of course, a nice way to interact with customers uh, or to, to let customers um, interact with the products, and then uh, and to make it easy for them because they just have to stand in front of the screen and then they get instantly uh, a feedback and they get an instant uh, experience out of that. But it's also um, on right now it's on the phones um, a lot. So most of the AR applications are basically mobile. Um, we also think that will be uh, there will be even more AR applications in the future, on, on especially in mobile phones, but even more on on wearables, of course, like um, the Google Glass, where we just talked about. Um, also, other there are so many different companies coming out with new technology and with new wearables um, that we can use also to um, um, to show or to to basically um, make really nice projects with the technology. 
Thank you very much. Raymond Gross, can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. Thoughts on, on uh, the Juniper research and some practical applications? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I um, fully second uh, what Sasha mentioned on the extra way of uh, consuming data, right? And instead of uh, referring to Juniper, I pull out Gardner, right? And um, one of their 2015 predictions um, says then that says that more than 50% of traditional consumer products will have a native digital extension built in. So this will be a significant part of the product innovation that's going to happen um, in the consumer space, which means it will become more and more natural in our lives. It will become uh, much more accepted. We might not know it by the term augmented reality. We've uh, heard that before, but definitely it will um, just open up a new world of, of interacting with information technology. And if you look a bit more uh, to the enterprise side, it will allow for new ways of operating within your enterprise um, and enabling blue-collar workers uh, to, to better align with uh, information you have and back-end systems and so on. So um, we will probably see some of the growth uh, in the in the coming years, more on the on the enterprise side uh, rather than on the consumer side, because uh, Thomas was very right with the with the statement and the assessment that um, um, looks and design and style make make a huge part of it. But I think things like miniaturization and others are, are working in our favor here, and um, it will be more integrated and less. Dis- distinguishable from um, a regular object. Um. Interesting. Well, we don't want to scare people. We want them to adopt and we want them to buy, right? We don't want them to say not for me just because of the title. And you were right. that It doesn't have to be labeled AR. It can just be, hey, something cool that could could help you. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you a little bit after, Raymond, in our next conversation thread about the industrial application of this. Right now we'll stick with where we are. Thomas Eckert, want to hear what you have to say about this thread we're talking about that Sasha started a few minutes ago. What do you think? Uh, I think um, Sasha is absolutely right. So uh, I think it's important to mention that uh, a very important use case for AR applications is the overall context of, of sales and, and marketing material. So presenting products in a much more fancy way than it was possible by uh, simply using traditional techniques. So so the Lego is a, a use case is a very famous uh, about it. So you can put uh, a Lego case or box in front of a camera and then a three-dimensional ready-built Lego uh, object is visible to you. So these kind of use cases are also IKEA where you can put any chair from the catalog uh, into any corner of your home and it looks absolutely photorealistic. These are really impressing use cases. Besides that, but uh, as, as, and I want to piggyback a little bit on, on what Raymond mm-hmm. said, I also think that there are great opportunities in the enterprise area. And, uh, and here, I mean, just to give one example, think about a, a parcel service. Um, the last mile to the customer, the person who has to bring the, the packets to, to the door of the apartment, if this person or this worker would be equipped with augmented reality, which helps, 
this person to find the door easier and maybe also neighborhood information and so on. Uh, this would be, a, or actually this, this uh, uh, scenario is already existing, or at least in a, in a prototyping phase. This is a, a, a great use case for, for augmented reality in an enterprise context. Thank you very much. Sasha, I'm going to go back to you. Any thoughts to finish up this topic before I go on to something from Raymond? Yeah, I mean, um, that's, that's exactly uh, correct what you said. So basically, I, I also think that it is the, the most important thing for the technology, just to finish it up, is, is that we really, um, that, that it really, we really bring like good looking and nice applications that really work and that work well for the people and then, and not necessarily under this augmented reality uh, wording. And I think everybody who has, um, who basically watches like a bit of TV or uh, uses a smartphone already already experienced some kind of augmented reality. So, for example, if you watch soccer and you see the offside line um, virtually um, shown on the on the field in the in the TV screen, this is also some kind of augmented reality. But people just don't realize it as uh, augmented reality technology. It's just like some blending in te- some technology that blends into the the, the standard um, TV format. So we're seeing it in sports is what you're saying. It's, it's part of our way exactly. that we watch sports. I didn't know that. I, I, don't, think, I don't know how many people knew that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, all the time when you, see, when you see a TV show, for example, you see a studio there, and then there's some, I don't know, some 3D dinosaur running through the studio, or there's something <laughs> happening in the studio that's basically CGI animated content. This is basically also augmented reality. It's just, um, it's basically a video effect, but also it blends in with the real, uh, with the real studio environment and then and shows some digital content. So this is in, in, uh, yeah, in a way also an augmented reality technology, and everybody has seen that already in TV. Yes, they have. Now, question, is green screen technology, where you have a green or a blue screen, a curtain behind a television set, meaning on the set where it's being produced, and you digitally superimpose an image of a different place or a different space so that the viewer sees something that is not really there, is that augmented reality? I mean, technically... You could say yes and no. Um, you, you, you can. It, it always depends on how you define the the, the context or the, the the wording of reality. But technically, yes. I mean, um, you, you're showing digital content um, next to a real life person uh, in the in mm-hmm. the video. So this is also some kind of merging digital content with real uh, real life environment or real life um, persons. And um, in a way, this is also augmented reality. Yes. Thank you. I have to go back. I, I produce a couple of television shows here in New York, and uh, I have to go back to my crew and say, we don't call it green screen anymore, guys. We're going to call it augmented reality and tell everybody it's how cool we are. Word, so, so I love why, it. Uh, it's always hard to find a, a hard line, like where to say this is not AR anymore, this is AR. It's always a little difficult to define that really precisely. Very good. And I have a quick question for you before we move to Ryman. Ryman, I hope I'm pronouncing it right now, and I apologize for that. Sasha, Matayo, very quickly, what does your company do? I mean, basically, we are one of the first um, augmented reality companies that was on the market. Uh, it was uh, more than 10 years ago already. And um, we are basically a software company, and um, we sell software products, but we also do projects uh, in a way that we, um, that we want to have lighthouse projects that, that um, show the, 
also the public that how how uh, important how good this technology is to use and um, for us it's important also to get some traction in the market and um, this is why we do on the one hand uh, while we are on the one hand a software company and on the other hand we are also a project company and Thank all based in Munich yep. so we are not in the in the Silicon, we have an office in the Silicon Valley, but the main office is based in Munich with uh, almost 100 people. Good to have you on board. Thank you. Ryman Gross, let's talk to you. Uh, I'm looking at the notes you sent me before the show. Something interesting here. We're going to get out of the concept, uh, out of talking about consumer, and let's dive into industry. Let me read this statement, and then you can expand it. You said, whatever design, style, and optics don't play this significant role, meaning hardware is not the limiting factor anymore, adoption will be faster. This will primarily be the case in industry scenarios where companies can dictate what employees are wearing. I found that very interesting, Ryman, and you say the same as with safety gear, hard hats, goggles, and the like. So why don't you tell me what this all means? Yeah, um, this um, I, I, I gave you a hint into that direction already when I said um, mm-hmm. uh, I, I presume that over the next couple of years um, the topic will probably grow in the enterprise area um, without a lot of visibility in, in uh, consumer space for reasons which were in, in, in the statement because um, things that are very relevant for the consumer, how do I look like, what will mm-hmm. others think about me, um, uh, is it uh, expensive? Uh, can I finance it? Are uh, very, very uh, less relevant in in the enterprise context. And if you are in a position to already dictate your employees that they have to wear a hard hat on an oil rig, for example, or safety goggles or whatsoever, it's only a small step to add additional equipment to that. Um, you're not so much limited by the form factor. Um, Companies even told me it doesn't matter if we have to um, tape our uh, rig workers additional battery to the helmet. um, This will be fine as well. So battery capacity will be less of an issue than it is for the consumer, Mm -hmm. for example. And this is why I believe um, um, this is a very interesting space to look into because there are direct benefits to be reaped for the enterprises because you can improve quality. um, You can service... Uh, with less personal, uh, a broader area because you have probably uh, remote service technicians uh, that that help out average skilled people um, that are on site. Uh, you have um, a better quality assurance because of maintenance cycle for machinery and so on and so on. Very interesting. So it's going to help the worker by, as you said, augmenting with their capabilities from the average skilled worker. Interesting concept. Thomas Eckert, join us. What do you see about what Ryman just said? Thoughts? Yes, there are a lot of thoughts in my mind right now. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Uh, first of all, I, I fully agree with Raymond. So I also see a big potential um, in the industry or in the enterprise segment. And, and, and here in this area, the, let's say, device obstacle is not so much relevant. But I also would like to come back to Sasha and, 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 and um, yeah, underpin what he said. Yeah, uh, He said we, we should not define augmented reality too tight. Basically, this is what he said, and that, and that is mm-hmm. also my opinion, yeah, because there, in the context of augmented reality, I have seen a lot of really brilliant and interesting new technologies, yeah. So things like thermal touch, thermal cameras, and 3D, 3D depth sensors in, integrated into 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 tablets, and uh, 
there are many more. And, and at the end, I think it will turn out that, that augmented reality will be the driver for certain technologies, which give us at the end completely new opportunities where we don't think of today. Uh, and which, for instance, I'm thinking about maybe in general how we interact with computers in the future. This could be, for instance, one outcome of the overall topic of uh, augmented reality. So I, 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 sorry for going a little bit uh, away from, from Raymond's uh, topic, but, but this was, came into my mind when I listened to, to Sasha. And also what he said in regards to gaming, in, I mean, I'm not sure whether he said it, but, but besides the classical enterprises, uh, I, I think we should also think about the gaming industry because those ones will be also a segment uh, which will not be hindered by any device obstacles. Yeah, they use whatever device is available, and I think there's a huge potential in this area as well. And this business is typically a front runner when it comes to stuff like that. Okay, thank you, Thomas. And Sasha, we need to, your name was dropped just a second ago. We need to get you in on this part of the conversation. Thoughts? Yeah, um, I also think that the, that the gaming industry is, will be one of the big drivers as well as the, as the, well as the wearable industry. Um, I mean, in gaming, they have the highest budgets, even higher than Hollywood movies sometimes. So they, they also have uh, very high budgets to invest in, in such new technologies, maybe even in new hardware. And um, on the wearable side, I mean, Google Glass was a nice beginning step. So mm -hmm. basically, uh, to my mind, Google Glass was never developed to be an augmented reality device. Um, it was more like developed to be an extra screen you can you can just see when you when you look straight without taking out your phone. Um, but uh, the future the future wearable devices will cover the whole um, field of view. Um, what, what you have, not just a small part of it, that you can really um, access information directly um, on, on like where, wherever you are and on, on, on any object you, you're looking at. Sasha, I have a question for you and for the whole panel before we move to some talking points from Thomas. Question is, in terms of wearables, uh, what of the, let's just look at the workplace. We now have five generations working side by side. And on, on one of our shows yesterday at SAP Radio, somebody mentioned that Generation Z, the teenagers starting with age 14, OMG, are, are going to be entering the workforce or they're already in there with part-time jobs, maybe summer internships. So it's going to be even more. Wh which of those generations will be eager for the wearables part of augmented reality? Who will basically put on the top of their wish list, yeah, I want Google Glass, yeah, I want the miniature this. Yeah, I want to be able to see this and do this and bring on the apps. I'm ready for another 50 great AR apps. Sasha, in your opinion, which generation is this something that's just cool for kids or can anybody find an excitement about this where it's not too scary? What do you think? I think um, we will see that quite soon um, when Apple brings the iWatch um, or the, the Apple Watch out. They don't call it iWatch anymore. Um, mm -hmm. But um, I think right now, for example, if you, if you, use, uh, if you take smartwatches um, as a variable, um, right now they're, they're mostly first adopters buying these, um, buying these smartwatches and people that are very tech-savvy, very tech-interested, um, um, and also that they have that they must have the budget to buy them, of course. But in, um, when you, you will see in beginning of next year um, when the first like really stylish and, and um, fashionable devices are coming out that people that also like people like maybe 
my father or or uh, maybe your parents or maybe your friends will buy um, such a watch. And the same will happen with the glasses, I think. I, right now, the Google Glass is a very techy-looking device. It, mm-hmm. it, it looks kind of sleek and nice, but it's not not really integrated yet. And as, uh, and um, as soon as this technology is integrated into standard um, a standard glasses frames for glasses, for example, and you don't really see it anymore, then it just blends in with your everyday life, and then everybody will also um, take the benefit, and and many people will buy it. I think. Interesting. I just spent a lot of money on designer frames for a new pair of eyeglasses. I'm wearing them right now. I work from my home office. Nobody will ever see these glasses. So I pass by a mirror once in a while during the day and say, gee, Bonnie, it was really worth spending all that money on these glasses. You look really cool. And then I go back to my desk and nobody sees them. But it would be, would have been interesting if they said, yeah, you spend so much money on these coach designer frames and we'll put a little Google Glass there in the side and think of what you could do with that in your workday, Bonnie. That that would have really made it worthwhile to spend all the money. Uh, Ryman Gross, I want to hear what you have to say about wearables adoption. According to, uh, do you agree with what Sasha just said, or you have a different POV? No, absolutely agree with that. Um, I have to start off with some some Gardner on that again, and um, um, there there was a recent research again that by 2017, 30 percent of uh, smart wearables will be completely unobtrusive to the eye, right? Um, so they're not necessarily talking about things with a display, um, but but in general. So these uh, things things will come, and we will be more and more comfortable uh, with them the more they blend into um, everyday objects in our everyday life. And uh, think about your usage of the smartphone. Once you are hooked onto that, you wouldn't want to miss it. And um, probably there will still be people that um, refuse uh, to to go into that direction. But um, I think the majority will... um, uh, adopt that because it will will be a very common thing to have and it will be very uh, much an essential part of our everyday life and how we interact with um, uh, digital information. Thomas Eckert, thoughts? Who's going to be buying and adopting these sooner rather than later, the wearables? Yeah. <clears throat> I would like to compare this with uh, smartphones and tablets. I mean, what was the reason why they got such a quick adoption? And in my mm-hmm. belief, this was mainly the touchscreen. Uh, it was a new way how to interact, and everybody liked uh, the touchscreen rather immediately. Even small babies uh, tried to, to play around <laughs> with it, and, and kids and older people. So it's not, not a question of generation, I think. Okay. It's more that uh, device must be, yeah, it must be sexy, it must be easy to use, it must be something people like. Uh, and, 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 and currently, I think this is not the case, at least not mainstream, but, we all, but the devices will change. So they go into this direction, and the more, it's, it's also a question of battery lifetime and, and, and miniaturization of electronics and so on, but we know that these technologies evolve rather quickly, so Moore's Law and so on. This all will ensure that devices will in the future be much more yeah, easy to use. Maybe it's not a, a glass anymore. Uh, maybe it's a contact lens in the future. Yeah? So we don't know at this point in time. But if we reach this state, then I think mass adoption will be natural because to augment reality mm-hmm. with additional information coming from the Internet or anywhere, that's for me a natural thing, which is absolutely must have more or less. Yeah? So it's undisputable from, from my perspective. 
Thank you, yeah, Thomas. Well, I have somebody else want to chime in there. Did I hear another voice? No, just, go ahead. Just uh, that's that's Raymond. Just just very much yes. confirming and heavily heavily nodding to what Thomas is saying. I yes, and heavily nodding on the radio needs to be spoken word. And I thank you for heavily nodding verbally. That's good. Uh, <laughs> now, Thomas, while I have you, I'm looking at your notes here, looking to see if we have any any new places to go. And I just wanted to bring up a couple of points I noticed here. You say the industrial side use cases are multifaceted, and you mentioned blue collar work where people need their hands free is a classic one, but that I wanted to also expand the conversation where you say augmented reality might also transform the user experience of information workers, and you bring up technologies like thermal touch. Talk to me a little bit about thermal touch and uh, about the hands-free concept. Let's take a little, a couple of uh, segues here. I do the introduction, but but then Sasha will probably continue because That's the technology fine. was uh, developed by Metayo. But I saw it at at, at the fair, and um, yeah. What, but what I basically want to express with this is, I, I raised this uh, a couple of minutes ago. I think there are technologies in the context of augmented reality which could change the way how we interact with computers. So uh, beyond beyond touch screens, beyond, let's say, a mouse and a keyboard or whatever. So there are new options we, will, we, we might see in the future, and augmented reality could be a precondition for that. And uh, one of the things I have seen at the fair, which, which points into this direction, uh, was a thermal touch thing. But I'm sure Sasha can say more to this. Sasha, tell yeah, us. <laughs> um, yeah, basically just... Uh, to give a quick introduction about thermal touch, thermal touch is a new technology um, uh, we developed uh, um, basically this year, or we at least launched this year. And it's um, it's a technology where you can basically use any kind of surface as a touch surface. So when you're um, standing in a in a in an airport terminal, for example, and you're looking at the map that's on the wall. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you will see additional information to different parts of the airport, and then you can basically just touch the map. And um, the idea behind that is um, that everybody leaves like a, a, a heat signature when you touch something. It doesn't matter what it is; you will leave a heat signature on this on this uh, object or on this wall. And this is how the thermal touch also works. So you touch the map that is basically just a printed offline map, and um, it will detect where you touch the map, and then it will um, release the related content to this part um, that you touched. And then you have also um, a haptic. Um, like a haptic interface, you can really touch something. You don't have to wave around in the air with your hands and 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 try to interact with some uh, with some interface. And this makes it really easy. Um, also, this makes the technology even more easy to use. And when we think about the future, um, if you have um, either glasses or if you have maybe AR contact lenses, um, it's you need to find a way how to interact with them. Easily because you don't have a touch uh, a touch surface anymore like you have it on your on your smartphone for example, and this is why we um, why we are uh, researching in this direction also. Thank you very much. You know what? We have about eight minutes left to the show. I'm going to skip the break, and this is a note to my engineer Brad Comer at the Business Channel. We're going to skip the break, and I'm going to ask my panelists to put on their futuristic hat. I know the three of you have one. You're probably wearing it right now. I'm going to ask you to, 
Okay, and I'm going to ask you to take the crystal ball out. That's a very ancient concept. I'm going to ask you to look in the crystal ball, and let's predict ahead. Let's project. If you can see blue skies on augmented reality up to the year 2020 or beyond, or even just a couple of weeks or months out, I'd love to hear about it. So let's go into our crystal ball predictions round since we're closing. This is our last live show, by the way, of 2014, so we're closing out the year. Let's do some really good, juicy predictions. So Sasha Keener at Matayo. Why don't you take, let's see, take a good two minutes and tell me what do you predict is coming down the pike in the future and tell me how far into the future you are able to see in that Matayo crystal ball. Give me two minutes of predictions. Go ahead. I mean, first of all, I would say um, that's one thing we say uh, for quite some time already is um, basically the claim, scan it all. So um, that you will be able in the future to uh, basically that just the software will be able in the future to recognize basically everything that's around you. You're seeing a dog on the street. You look at the dog and it shows you the breed. Um, you, you're looking at some at, at a tree outside and it shows you what kind of tree it is. Um, any kind of information you can consume or that is available online about products um, will be available directly attached to the product, and that also leads. To one more thing about the um, about the interface or about the how to how to use uh, this technology is basically um, take as an example today if you have the automated home it is actually mm-hmm. quite I just read an article in TechCrunch that is that is uh, so right because it's actually quite annoying because before you had to switch to switch on your lights you had to switch you had to push a switch that's it. And mm-hmm. now, basically, when you have the the, um, the automated home, you take out your phone, you enter your passcode, you open the application, you set your lights how you want them, and then uh, and then you're finished with setting your lights. So it's lots of steps right um, right now. And then what I see in the future is that you sit on your couch and you just look at your lights, and then you get an instant interface um, <laughs> around uh, around the light bulb, and then you can just look at the color you want, and then it basically switches on the light with that color. So um, when you're wearing either an AR device or augmented contact, contact lenses, for example. And also the contact lenses, I think, is one of the biggest things that will come in the next maybe, let's say, six to ten years, um, that we do not have to wear any glasses anymore, that is basically completely integrated. You just take on your contact lenses in the morning, and then you can uh, use them all day, and you can consume information and browse the Internet. So it will basically replace the form factor of um, smartphones, to my mind. And um, for everybody who's interested, there's a, very nice, there's a very nice short movie on Vimeo. It's called Sight, uh, that exactly... Um, is about this topic, a, a short eight-minute video. So everybody who is interested in this future, in this future um, possibilities for air contact lenses should watch that. So what is it's called? Sights, S-I-G-H-T-S? Sights. Or, spell S-I, it for me. Um, S-I-G-H-T-S. Okay, on Vimeo. That's V-I-M-E-O dot com, correct? Exactly. Wonderful. I have a quick thought before we go to Ryman's predictions. Uh, Sasha, I'm thinking in relationships, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus, and men and women try and understand each other. Can you imagine a couple sitting on the couch and the man is deep in thought and the woman is saying, darling, what are you thinking? Oh, please tell me, what are you thinking? And he's sitting there trying to focus on what color should he change the lights in the living room for a backdrop for the movie he's going to be watching (laughs) on demand. And she's saying, oh, is our relationship in trouble, dear? And he's saying himself i wish she'd be quiet i'm trying to make the lights purple for goodness sake i don't even want to go there that's another show ryman gross you're up predictions two minutes talk to me go 
Wow. So with uh, Sasha, what Sasha already uh, predicted, I think I have to uh, turn it uh, one notch up again and uh, Thomas can bring us down to earth at the end then. Um, <laughs> so so I ask myself, um, uh, why even wait for contact lenses? I mean, as part of uh, a cataract surgery, you can always already have a replacement of your eye lenses right now not with technology not with augmented reality but we're talking about predictions here so um this this obviously might be a future that i personally would be excited about so once uh, these things become indistinguishable from from my body but uh, i might be uh, far out here in terms of uh, safer bets i think hardware costs will come down miniaturization will work in our favor Mm -hmm which means small and lightweight objects that are more fashionable will become uh, standard. Um, I have my doubts about uh, display technology, that that can keep up with what we are envisioning and outlined over the last uh, 15 minutes, for example. And battery capacity is another one. And uh, Tesla, if you're listening in, I'm, uh, I have high hopes and I'm counting on you to solve that. So. Ultimately, hopefully, virtual reality and augmented reality will be an an everyday experience. Um, Yeah, but uh, technology-wise, there has a lot to happen, and I have uh, some some high hopes in some areas, and I have a bit of doubts in in other areas uh, regarding the technology. Thank you so much, Ryman Gross and Thomas Eckert. We saved two minutes exactly for you to wrap up predictions so I can close the show. Go ahead, Thomas. Very quickly, very quickly. So I predict 2020, and I think uh, tablets and smartphones will be still around there and will be mainstream. We will see complementary uh, complementary wearable devices, but I'm also very optimistic that we will see a new kind of human computer interface, uh, which is driven by somewhat augmented reality technologies. And one of the technologies I'm thinking there, but I'm very unsure, so this is really... Prediction, I could imagine that control of computers via brainwaves, means via EEG brainwaves, could somewhat and somehow play a role here. Yeah? How we interact with computers in the future and how we get uh, virtual information and, and reality and mix up reality and virtual information. Thank yeah. you very wow, this much. Is Raymond Thomas, uh, Thomas yes. I thought you would bring, uh, bring us down, but uh, you're taking no, me down. I want to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> Raymond, you want to want to uh, give a two-sentence close or an add-on to what Thomas just said? I can give you 30 seconds. Go ahead. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm all you're good. good. I can't top that. Good. Okay. Well, what a great panel. Panel. I have to compliment the three of you. Uh, just a, a pleasure to speak with the three of you. Your grasp of the topic, your passion, your enthusiasm, your energy. I've learned a lot, which is why I host SAP Radio, so I can learn from really smart people like you. And I want to wish the three of you and your colleagues and families the most wonderful holiday and everything exciting in the new year. It's going to be an exciting new year if AR takes a foothold and, and starts to become part of mainstream life. And it might not be in 2015, but it's going to come soon after that. I have to do a shout out to Michelle Serrier at SAP, who sponsors the show. And he's been tweeting at uh, handle M-I-C-H-E-L underscore S-E-R-I-E. If you want to see his tweets, commenting on the words of wisdom of our panelists and uh, looking forward to more great topics and great panelists on innovating innovation with great game changers next year. Let's see. So this is our last live show of the year. And uh, yesterday I did on Coffee Break with Game Changers. 2015 predictions 
Part two, I interviewed 14 thought leaders. We had great predictions. There'll be some articles coming out on the SAP News Center with encapsulating and capturing those wonderful predictions. January 7th, we'll be back on Wednesday morning with Coffee Break with Game Changers with part three of 2015 predictions. And I will have another 14 thought leaders. So we will have in total on the three-part prediction special, 41 thought leaders. We call it predictions on steroids. You know what that means. Thank you so much, Sasha Keener pleasure to meet you at Matayo. Raymond, Ryman Gross, whoever you are, you were great. Don't worry about the sore throat. You sounded fantastic. We didn't hear you cough once, so I can tell you're feeling better already. See, SAP Radio is good for your health, Raymond. And Thomas Eckert, thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much, Thomas Eckert. And uh, a shout out to Brad Comer and Michael and Ryan and Jeff and Jeff at Voice America World Talk Radio, the business channel team. It's been a great year working with you and we are launching five brand new series on SAP Radio starting in February. So we'll be back stronger than ever with 10 live series. I'm Bonnie D. Graham wishing happy holidays and the best of everything, happiness, health, friendship, love, hugs, whatever it is. And here's my call to action. Fasten your holiday seatbelt. I hope it's a sparkly one. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.